national title. But in between that, when you add everything up, he was there, I believe, seven years. You didn't get seven years worth of Brody Lee's career or Luke Harper's career in that time. I mean, I, I think there was a stretch of six or seven months where he didn't. I mean, I get it. He was probably doing house shows. But on TV, you weren't seeing him. And some of the stories from the house shows, tremendous. I think there's one where the New Day's dancing and he's slapping him in the butts and he's they're dancing over him and he's slapping him. You see, you see the guy that he is or the guy that, you know, what John Huber is, the man. And then you see in the pictures and the photos and, and you just tell the life that's in his kid, the type of dad that he was. When you see Brody, minus one sitting there at the gate, you know, just watching the show. Wearing the Evil Uno mask, and you could just see the, the smiles. What 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 AEW did to take the mind off for the kid. That family. Albeit probably a short time. And also the wrestling fans, too. But I want to get back to this this whole wasting talent thing because Bully Ray covered it there. And then I heard a story when I listened to the Talk is Jericho podcast. When Arn Anderson, he said, you know, he doesn't really call him Luke Harper. Again, we, we heard the stories, even um, Brody when he was on with uh, AEW Unrestricted. This is a man from Rochester, New York. Let this sink in. From Rochester, New York, they wanted to have a southern accent. He didn't talk southern enough to do the gimmick that they wanted him to do. So he didn't talk a lot. They handcuffed him a little bit. And then you have Arn Anderson, who went on the Talks Jericho podcast to talk about the life of Brody Lee. And he says at one point he pitched the concept of having Brody Lee be a Unabomber type gimmick because of how smart he was, how intellectual he talked. And they laughed at him. That should give you enough right there of what's going on up there to see that. Because what happened? Maybe not 100% that gimmick, but that's what the exalted one, that's what the exalted one, Brody Lee, had become in AEW. I get it. Some people thought he was poking fun at, at Vince McMahon for wearing the suits and eating the steaks. And that he was that he was making fun of Vince McMahon. But you could see in everything he did in AEW. He loved that character. He was that character. And and I've heard it so many times when they say that the best wrestling character is that person amped up. Amped up. 
And when you got the opportunity to see what he could do, one on the mic, two in the ring when they took the handcuffs off of him and let him go, completely different. Night and day, Luke Harper, Brody Lee. Night and day. And then October 7th, his final match with Cody. And then a couple weeks later, he became ill with a lung issue, non-COVID related, as his wife said. And then he passed away on the 26th. I believe we have a caller on the line. I'm going to go out to, I believe it's Tony. Tony, go ahead. Hey, what's up, Sean? How's there, Good, Going good, Tony. What you got, man? Oh, I think we, we don't have him. So, uh, Tony, if you get a better, better area, give us a call back. And with that, Take Onside Radio everywhere you go with the MyTuner Radio app. Download the free app and listen to your favorite OnsideRadio.com host. Go to your app store, download MyTuner Radio, search Onside Radio, South Florida Sports Station. Coming back in, Squared Circle Digest, Sean Stanley. This is OnsideRadio.com. Hi atop the beautiful inner Miami CF Stadium, and we're going to go out to our guest line right now where we have the great Justin Hollis. He was at the AEW Tribute Show. Now, it doesn't have a question, though, because how were you able – did they open up more tickets for this show than they normally do? Or Because I saw some, uh, pictures that were taken where there was actually lines waiting to get in at the uh, Daly's place. Yeah, about um, about a day before the, the show did uh, open, they, they, they let out more tickets for it. Awesome. So, I was going to jump in and get a ticket. I actually bought mine uh, third party, though. So they sold out. As soon as they put them up, they sold out quick. Yeah, I could imagine that, man. Um, for this week, I want let's go back before we get into the show and everything that happened there. The the passing of Brody Lee again. You know, at forty one years old, I, I, it totally caught me off guard. I had somebody actually text me, and I had not seen it come across Twitter or any of the social media as of the time that I was texted the information. And I didn't believe it at first because I was like, oh, oh, it's one of these things. How did it hit you when, when you found out uh, the news of Brody passing? It hit me hard. I actually uh, t- took a little time off Twitter for Christmas, leading up to Christmas and, and, and Christmas Day. Uh, and my brother texted me about it. He shot me a text. He goes, hey, did you hear this? And, and you know, I was... I'm saying that with my kids, and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine. At 41 years old, I'm seven, eight years old. Mm-hmm. And so it just hit me really hard going, wow, you know, I'm going to hold my kids. I'm going to hold my kids a little closer. I mean, he has an eight year old, eight year old son. I had a seven year old son sitting on my lap at the time. We were playing, playing again, and I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, exactly the same it thing. Yeah, same thing. Here, you know, again, I'm, I'm a little bit above the, the 41 age, and I just think that, you know, again, and I felt, 
I know it was October 7th, but it felt like he had wrestled sooner than that. Now, going back and looking at it, I guess October 7th was, was the dog collar match with Cody there, and then they fell ill a couple weeks after that. So let, let's go into to the show there. Uh, how was, I guess, the atmosphere going into Daly's place? Because, uh, you know, when you go to a wrestling event, there, there's always that that atmosphere, that that feeling, uh, the buzz. What what was going on at this show? What was kind of the, I guess the the feeling going on inside Daly's place? Uh, it was very, it was heavy. It was very heavy uh, when we first when I first pulled up. Uh, it was packed. That was that was the biggest crowd I've seen in the pandemic era. Mm-hmm. Um, and almost everybody had something. You know, if they were wearing wrestling apparel. It was Brody Lee, awesome, awesome. Uh, or, or Luke Harper, mm-hmm. some, something of that nature. And so I think that's just attitude. It, it was just very, very heavy atmosphere. Um, crowd was still loud as can be, probably the loudest crowd I've heard yet. Yeah, but it was it was very um, it was a very heavy crowd. It was a very d- different type of show mm-hmm. uh, being there being there live. Yeah, and then for uh, did they do uh, any of the AE? Because don't do they normally do dark on Tuesday or do they do that on Wednesday with the, with the crowd? They there? do that. So so the show starts at seven thirty, mm-hmm. and they normally do the the AEW dark beforehand. Um, so for about thirty minutes, twenty five minutes beforehand, they will uh, they'll do two or three matches before. Okay. So okay. yeah, so they so they did those two or three matches. Of, they change everything out and, and get it ready for dynamite. All right, and now so when we came on or for TV, we were, I was watching it on TV. the The first thing we saw was kind of all the superstars on the stage: Brody, Nolan, Amanda, kind of in the middle there, and and then Jr. welcomed us, of course, with uh, you know it's Wednesday, you know what that means, and then they sent it to Justin Roberts. When they were, what was happening? Inside Daly's place, leading up to that time frame, uh, they 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 brought out they, just like you said, they brought everybody out. And uh, when when Brody Junior. or Negative One came out, Brody Junior. came out, the place erupted in Brody chance. Awesome. Just but before he came out, probably two or three minutes before the world entered, it was just a constant a constant Brody chant the entire time until until they went on air. Uh, just a just a goosebump type of feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the love that that Brody Lee has put out there for people, and just his his character and his dedication. Uh, you know, the fans were trying to give it back to him. That were their lives. Yeah. Now let, let's talk a little bit about that. Since you brought up the, the the love and the dedication from from everybody. I mean, you're looking at everybody's worked with WWE. The independents, the you know, of course, AEW now. Did did you find it? I, I don't want to say like just when you're there. AEW gets a little bit closer. You can get well, not now with the COVID and everything. Um, beforehand, before the COVID, you were able to kind of you could see the wrestlers, you could interact with them. They had to meet and greets and things like that. Was there anything about Brody Lee that that you learned from? Because what I, what I thought was the one thing to me that that it wasn't that oh Brody was great in the ring Brody was was great to us and it was just everybody the first thing out was he was a great dad 
And it just kept over and over and over and over again. Everybody was just saying how great of a dad. Was there anything or that you heard or that you saw that echoed to you? No, no, it's about the same as what you're saying. I mean, you see Brody Lee come in. I mean, he's, he's a big guy. He has a, he has a unique character. But as, as a fan, you know, and, and, and I've never met Brody. I was never able to, to meet Brody Lee. Um, but, uh, but as a fan, you just go, oh, he's a great character. You don't have that more personal note to him. But, you know, as the stories kept coming out, it's just, you know, he's a great dad. The locker room, he was a great friend of the locker room. It was just absolutely amazing to read hundreds and hundreds of stories coming out. I mean, you had, you had WWE guys. Yep tweeting about the truth show as it was happening yeah and you had him on raw talk uh apollo or, or, or sorry uh xavier woods and kofi they they were talking about him on the raw talk if you if you watched it they they broke down john uber the man on, on the show on, on the wwe yeah. network you know they were talking about it in our truth i guess there was there's an inside story or a rib that they pulled with lotion or John Huber, you know, or Brody Lee pulled on him, and they started getting into it, and then R-Truth kind of stopped it there. But I, I found it very interesting, you know, kind of, of of the looseness, though, that WWE's allowed. Like you said, their their wrestlers were tweeting during during the show. And, and, and then now you've seen the video afterwards of uh, Brody Lee Jr., uh, negative one, clotheslining Adam Cole. I guess I'm thinking that was probably out of a – after the show or, or somewhere there, that's come out. I just it's it's amazing to me and, and we see this a lot, but I don't know to this extent that I've ever seen a wrestler's passing so unanimous of a loss for everybody in the wrestling world when you when you look at it. He he was very much and this is what we're seeing now that he's passed away. He was very much transcendent. When it came to that, uh, he was he he was your ideal locker room leader mm-hmm. because he the the life that he lived outside of wrestling is the same life he tried to live inside of wrestling. He was a great dad, he was an amazing husband, and he was an amazing friend. Um, I, I've I've had the privilege to talk to a couple of wrestlers. I was I was talking with Sam Sam Adonis, Corey Graves, the other day, and. Uh, <clears throat> Sam Adonis grew up in Pittsburgh, and his dad owned a wrestling promotion. And lo and behold, a young Brody Lee wrestled <laughs> for Sam Adonis' dad. And uh, he said, he, he goes, we talked everything for two years on Instant Messenger, AOL Instant Messenger. <laughs> and all we talked about was wrestling. And he goes, and, and Brody Lee went on and made it big for my dad's promotion. Went on and made it big, made it to the WWE. I've, I've been on WWE television. He goes, I've... I showed up several years later. He goes, and we were, I was eating lunch at a table. He goes, and Brody Lee, the star, comes up. He goes, he could have sat with his friends, but no, he chose. He came over and talked to me and sat down and, and had, had a whole conversation with me for, for an hour. Yeah, I mean, he, goes, he, he could have, he could have chose to hang out with his other friends, his new friends, but he chose to come over and talk to me and ask me how I was doing and spent time with me. And we, we kicked the bricks for a little while. He goes, that's the type of man he was. Yeah, that's coming out. And then also, you know, the stories, John Silver, the, the the outfit he wore, Brody, you know, bought that. There's just so – I don't think they, – they don't stop when you start looking back at 
the things, the dark order when they were talking, you know, in a, in a way, um, I was listening to the talk is Jericho podcast and they're talking to, I think it was Stu Grayson and uh, Evil Uno at the time. They weren't sure what they were going to do with, with the dark, dark order as far as, you know, it kind of had run, then the exalted one was supposed to debut and they gave 100% of the credit to the fact that, you know, Brody Lee being the exalted one kind of revived that group and, and was thriving that group to to the where they were, you know, and you saw it on this tribute show. Everybody there is, is a tremendous athlete, a tremendous performer. But now it seems like with the with the being the elite stuff that he did behind the scenes, you're, you're, you're able to see and see the development of their characters and, and you're able to grow with them, I think. And I think that's what Brody Lee did for a, a lot of these guys is he showed them and allowed their characters to grow. And I think some of that was because, and again, I don't want to talk about it, but they, he was thwarted so much in where he was at before in the WWE when he got to AEW and he was able to be kind of the restraints off of him. He was making sure everybody took advantage of the opportunity they had with their character development absolutely i absolutely agree he, he was quoted as saying this was the most fun that he's that he's ever had at wrestling yep. was work with those several months working for him I mean, the only thing i wish it could have happened was that he could have debuted with the crowd yes uh, in and, rochester uh, too in his hometown was yeah. where he was supposed to debut that yeah, would have been that, something else that would have been that's that's one of the biggest disappointments i think mm-hmm. just him not being a week away mm-hmm. and then they they, they canceled not having him being able to debut yeah. there um but yeah he, he 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 definitely was uplifting he definitely i think he pushed the recorder because he came in and he said hey we're going to become more serious yeah this is what we're going to do and then and of course pte they, they were a little less a lot less serious no, no, definitely. But I think it allowed it allowed that other area of their characters to develop. You know, again, because you can't do everything on AEW TV. They only have the the two hours. But I think with being the elite, you started seeing. I I just I think you see the development of, of the guys. You see their character development on uh, and allows you to to. Uh, I I always say emotionally invest in a character because that's what I think wrestling is about. If you're not emotionally yeah. invested in somebody, you're gonna you're gonna kick them to the curb and not worry about them. Everybody started to get emotionally invested, I think, in the Dark Order once the Exalted One came in. I, I think they had started to run their course a little bit when he came in. It gave them something, and then they've been thriving off of that as well, as you said, because he wants it to be better. He knows they can be better, and and he knew and he knew that, and he wanted it to be better, and you could see that in their in their performances. Yeah, 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 I agree. And uh, one of the biggest benefits from him coming in is, uh, as you said, was, was John Silver. Um, you listen to the pop when John Silver comes out now. <laughs> it's it, he's a, a really, really big pop. And the guy, I mean, he's been showing here over the last two or three months. He, he can flat out wrestle. He has a unique yeah. style. Yes, it is. And uh, it'll, it, you know, and and everything they're going to do now, they're they're giving it to Brody Lee when it when it comes to Dark Order. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I think one thing we 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 mentioned on the last time we had with was uh was was at the end of of him giving uh, the TNT title to mm-hmm. Brody Lee Jr. Yes, um, that was just an an, ama- an amazing uh, moment. I guys, I mean, I, I'm not going to say I cried, uh, but through that whole time, but at the end, 
there was water building up. Oh no, yeah, I, I teared up. I'm not gonna lie, I teared up. I teared up when they were doing the whole thing, and and he was standing there, and, and you you know the crowd started chanting Brody and and all that. And I you know what another part that that got me a little bit it was when uh, Eric Redbeard or Eric Rowan, whatever you want to say. When he came out, when Wardlow came in the ring, and you could hear the pop from the the crowd when it, when it happened, I was kind of like, "Whoa, this is unexpected, but I think perfect for the situation uh, that was going on." And and then when he came back in, he had the sign, and and he was teared up. Silver was still on the ground with his head, you know, down, and and Eric's picking him up, and it just that whole moment there just kind of to me <laughs> solidified what that night was and what everybody was feeling. Yes, uh, yeah, uh, I agree. It was uh, that it, when Eric Rowan came out, it, the, the place did go crazy. Um, I had a had a guy jumping up cheering, not like I jumped up and cheered for Sting, hmm. but I jumped up and and and, 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 and goes, "Who is that?" <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's Eric Rowan, his tag team partner in WWE, and he's like, "Oh," and he starts cheering again. Uh, but yeah, I think that I don't know if he's either. Under contract or not, but uh, that was a uh, that was an awesome moment to have him come out and uh, help the Dark Order in that match. That was that was that was actually very very good booking on AEW's part. Yeah, I thought you know because again they said you know this is going to be about wrestling and there was a couple times I was kind of like uh, with the the whole thing with uh, uh, who was it uh, Thunder Rosa when she came out and was kind of attacking Britt and then Britt got on or Britt got on the mic and and set up the whole. But then when she did the whole big rig, you know, things like that, I think some of those things were were, were good, were needed. At the time, I was kind of like, why are they doing the interview with Britt to kind of further a storyline? But then when they did the big rig part, I was like, okay. Yeah. You know, and things like that. But but I think overall, I believe AEW hit a grand slam with this one. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was the, uh, that, that was the consensus. I put a poll up afterwards. And uh, I had 926, 26 votes or something, thousand votes. Not one person gave it a, a negative review. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't see not how you. Person. I do not see how you can. Justice, I want to thank you for your time this morning, man. We're going to make this a, a monthly thing to to talk AEW here throughout this new year. I hope uh, the new year was great to you, your family, and um, continued success, my man. Thank you, sir. I appreciate. It. Thank you for having me. All right, that is Justin Hollis. You can catch him at the Jaybird904 on Twitter. And when I come back, David Dwork, Trevor the Cats Radio, Panthers Talk, next, right here on Onside Radio. Uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, there's there are a lot of new cats. There's new faces. Yes, I know for that. Sure. There's like a third of the team is going to be new guys this uh, year. A third. Um, the, the reason I, I kind of laugh is because we've, you know, we've seen it before. Yeah. They, there's been plenty of turnover before, and it seems like the, the general storyline has stayed the same for a long time. And, you know, and I'm the most optimistic guy that there is. Like, you can, you know, ask anybody that's been following me for a while that, like, I'm, I'm always trying to be the glass half full guy. So I'm going in with optimism, but I'm not going to get my heart broken again, yeah. Sean. No, I know, because <laughs> it seems like every time we're, what, five games away, five points out, or, or something to where it's like just just out of reach, just out of reach to where it's like just close enough that you can touch the playoffs yes. but miss it, and just far enough that you get a crappy draft pick for not making the playoffs. Exactly, and it's like the worst. And, and that's the evil, the yeah. the whole the rotation that the Dolphins were in for a while too. Yeah, it's like if you're gonna be bad, just stink it up for a year or two, 
mm-hmm. and then build something amazing. Yeah. Which the Dolphins seem to have done. They have done that. And, that, and they the, only had to stink it up for half a year. Half a year. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. Amazing. They were, they were good the second half of the year, which mm-hmm. has helped Flores. When you look at the new GM with, with everything they got going there, the, the right talent had to go when, he had to leave, when they let him go. Yeah, it seemed like the, the timing was right. He had been there for a decade, and you know, as we were just saying, and nothing really seemed to change. Like, there's a lot of it's like duck on a pond, right? It's so much movement going on, mm-hmm. but you don't, you can't really see anything on the top, and and that was the problem. It, it was time for a change. It was time to shake things up and try something new. And they brought in a guy in Bill Zito who, he's progressive, he's open to new things. He's going to listen to the analytical side. He's going to listen to the more traditional side, and he's he's going to combine everything. I like the guys he brought in. I feel like he's addressing needs of the team while he got a bunch of guys on short contracts, so he's not locking himself into mm-hmm. anything. So, look, change is good, right? Let's see where it leads. Hopefully it leads to somewhere nice. We'll find out starting tomorrow in training camp. Yeah, starts. me and you one day are going to sit down and talk hockey and analytics because I don't know how that goes together 100%, but that's a different story for <laughs> another day. We probably don't have enough time for all that. that that's another here. podcast. What do you got coming on today's show? Uh, today, we're definitely going to be previewing training camp and get into the roster, who I think is going to be on it, some of the prospects that I think are on the bubble, a couple of big prospects that are not going to be at training camp. We'll discuss who they are. Uh, overall, Panthers news, Chris Drieger got a really cool mask that features the Mandalorian. I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, I've got my chirp of the week, as always, and this week I'm getting back to my salty nature, uh, something to, to bitch and moan about that Panthers fans will relate to. And I also want to talk with my boy Jack Frost on the other side about video games. I made a pretty cool discovery about vintage video hockey video games that has to do with the Panthers. So I want to talk about what I discovered and then get into some of our favorite games when we were kids. All right, all that's coming up here at 10 o'clock. Miami Dolphin fans, tune in to OnsideRadio.com's post-game show with Big O after every Dolphins game. We'll take your calls, answer your texts, react to post-game sound. Now Miami Dolphins fans have a real place to react and connect after every Dolphins game. The radio home for Miami Dolphins fans worldwide is onsideradio.com. We'll see you next week.